Hi, friends. Welcome to our podcast, Happily Together. We're your hosts. I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb. And can we just say that we are so glad you are here. Oh, it's a good day to be alive. I count my blessings and keep them all at my side. There ain't no stopping us. Okay, happy Monday, love. I'm working. <laughs> okay, happy Monday, love. <laughs> happy Monday. How's your heart? Uh, my heart is good. Don't you love how I ask you that every question? We recently discovered that you, uh, who told us that, that you asked that question and it made them feel really known. And I was like, oh, that's like a shallow question for Caleb. Not shallow. Wait, who said that? Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay. I said, how's your heart? How's your heart? And then you were like, I can suss out who my people are based on how they answer that. If they're like, it's beating. (laughs) Uh, I went to the doctor two weeks ago and he said, it's really good. That's wow. awesome. I'm glad your Alive. heart is beating well, but that's not what, if what somebody I mean. with What if you asked that question to somebody with a heart condition and they were like, actually, it's not doing so great? Well, I would say, how can I support you? Oh. Or what do you need? Or lovely. I am so sorry. Yeah, I, I don't ask just strangers that question. <laughs> you kind of do. Not always. Hope your heart is well. <laughs> I always say that. I hope your heart is well. You do. Um, you know, like when you're married to somebody for a while, you start to like learn all the things they say over and over and all the like little idiosyncrasies. Yeah. That's one of yours for sure. You learn what? I hope your heart is well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say it mm-hmm. in like almost all my emails. I wonder if I've lost business because, because you asked the, about the heart. The, li- the last line of my email is hope I your heart is well. And I look <laughs> forward to continuing this conversation. <laughs> We can't hire him. People are like, what it's the hell? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. It's you funny. Know, another one of yours is you say boss a lot. What's up, boss? Hey, boss. Yeah. I just feel like it, you know, it uh, it reduces like the power games between guys yeah, sometimes. Well, it's was like, that a meme that we read that was like, if you want to lose guy friends instantly, call them buddy. Bud. Bud. Hey, bud. You call, no, you call her daughter bud. What are you doing? I love calling her bud. Hey, bud. <laughs> I call her bub. Hey, bub. <laughs> it's not any better. It's so cute. She's a little oh bubby. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love um, well, if you're listening to this and you're still here, thank you. <laughs> and uh, welcome back to another episode of We Don't Know What We're Doing, But We're Sharing Our Heart on the podcast. We don't know what we're doing, but we're sharing our heart on the podcast. Is that we're the title us. of this? No. Oh. It's just happily together. You know what? I think we do know what we we're do. doing because we follow our, our souls and our intuition, and that is about mm-hmm. as much as you can know. I don't think if you did listen to the previous episode, I don't know if I articulated when I went back and listened to it, um, you know, what I what I feel around the podcast and the words that I was looking for was really like completing the creative cycle. Mm-hmm finishing the, the 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 creative cycle mm-hmm. like we feel the inspiration the desire to create is there we do something about it we do something about it instead of getting lost in the perfectionism that mm-hmm. you know i've had to uh man, that i've had to work through and just <laughs> release the content and allow the creation process to complete because i think when you look at it, when you allow the creation process to complete, it's like you're kind of increasing your capacity to do it more and more and more and just becomes a little bit more regular. Absolutely. Right. And now it's not something that you have to do. It's just something that's done. Mm-hmm. You do it. Mm-hmm. It's part of who you are now. Totally. In my coaching work, I always say like, let's try on that hat. Like just try it on for a little bit. Meaning we don't have to live like this forever, but what would it be like to just wear the hat for a day? It's good. 
what hat are you wearing right now, my Ooh, love? Uh, what hat am I wearing? I think I'm wearing a hat of trusting that it all happens in the right time. Mm. And a hat of what if my logical way of thinking something needs to happen isn't actually the only or best way that it can happen. Can you explain that? Yeah, I I just think, uh, you know, I have been working through, since having Sophie, so much money stuff. So oh. many stories around money. And you know this, but the story with money has been, if I work, then I make money, <laughs> then we have more money. It's logical, right? But I think that I've been challenged with that belief uh, in, in partnership with somebody because I have felt really called to be slower in my work and to take on less clients and to be more present at home with our child. And also I'm reevaluating and rearranging some, some stuff around work internally. Um, but, but as I have chosen to slow down, the immediate fear is, oh my gosh, but then we're only going to have half the amount of money. Sure. Or you make more money, but about half the amount of money. Right. But I think what's interesting in, in that belief is I had a, a friend actually be like, well, what if you slowing down empowers Caleb to speed up? Yeah. And I think that the way I have, I, I think about certain things, I'm just holding a big question mark, wearing the hat of the question mark around them. Mm. Like what if actually we could be way more successful if I choose to stay at home and I'm present with our kid Yeah. and you have more freedom then to, to pursue the work that you want to yeah. pursue. And I don't think it's necessarily this or that. It's what if, you know, we're much more quote unquote successful if you just choose to truly honor what your heart is asking you to do in this season. Exactly. But the logical mind would want to take over and say, oh my gosh, that doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Why would I, why would I do that? What a gift because the former way of seeing what you are describing feels like a prison. Yeah. It's like a game that you never win. Yeah. Right. It's a game you never win. It's exhausting. Yeah. But I know, um, just to give maybe whoever is listening a little bit more context, I know that you slowing down uh, and the stories around money in the process of slowing down, that's just, you know, that's not just something that you, like, how how do I want to say that? That has, this goes back to your childhood. 100%. Can you take me there? It took me a lot of energy to get that out. <laughs> but can you go there? This is deeply rooted. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I um, at 13, we had a really big family drama happen. One of those defining family moments. And I, in hindsight, I'm able to articulate this. But at that time, I did not want to be a burden. I was in the middle of Mm. five kids. And money was always a stressor in our family. And so my way of becoming not a burden was to make my own money. So I could, you know, buy my Jinko jeans or whatever I was wearing at the time. But you also decided to shoplift. I did. (laughs) Sorry, I, did. I don't want to cut you, you off. You know what? You're, I you're did. The flow. <laughs> yeah, I really did. At Walmart and got caught for it. I stole bathing suits and diet pills. Special. Wow. <laughs> don't you love the younger versions of us? Wow. Oh, we were so sweet. Ugh. Anyway, so at 13, I take on this this role of not being a burden, and I was praised praised mm. for it. My mm. parents really applauded. Like, wow, you're so you're becoming so responsible. You're you're contributing and taking care. And so it became 
a big part of my identity was to be productive and do and create. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a Capricorn and I love productivity. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, and even when I'm like not working, I love being productive at home. Sure. I like wake up wanting productivity. So at 13, internalizing this, it's kind of carried through with me my entire life. And looking back, one of the things that came up about six months ago was I could feel that internal pull of like, it's time to get slow. My soul got really loud and I could hear my soul saying, it's time to get slow. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not getting slow. I want to speed up. And when I felt that, I processed this a lot with you. I processed, processed it internally. But when I felt that, the big things that came up for me were, who am I if I'm not doing anything? Mm -hmm. Like if I don't do something in the world, if I'm not contributing, then who am I? And obviously my, my rational brain says, well, of course I'm doing something by raising a child, but it feels different. Something about that feels different to me. And this has been some of my work to sort through. That feels different than if I'm contributing mm. money to the family. And so then in that slowness, as I, as I chose to follow my soul's whisper and get slow, what continued to start to surface were these stories around being a burden, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I even said to you, like, I never got married to have a husband to take care of me. Yeah, because you picked the wrong husband. <laughs> <laughs> or to have like a sugar daddy, like, whoops. I, ne I never, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if that was ever like a desire. Mm -hmm. I have one girlfriend who's like, I just want to marry a billionaire. I'm mm -hmm. like, do you? Do you really? <laughs> Maybe you do. But I never got married to you specifically thinking like, Caleb is going to take care of my yeah. life. And then in having a child, you actually cannot take care of yourself. You can barely feed yourself after mm -hmm. having a kid, right? And so there were elements of learning how to receive in that process and even slowing down just because I had had a kid, but I went back to work pretty soon after, right? Like four months I started coaching again. Yeah. So when I followed this time around, when I followed my soul's whisper to get slow, all of this stuff around being a burden really surfaced intensely. Like, Oh, I, I had, I had to voice it to you. Like yeah. I, I feel uncomfortable with the fact that you are making all the money and yeah. I'm not contributing. But rationally, I know that's crazy. You would, you, you're excited to do that for our family, right. but it's so deeply embedded in my DNA in my 13 year old self to be like, no, if I, if I don't take care of me, who will? Yeah. Yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> That's where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, I am so grateful that I'm not trying to like prop myself up here, but I'm imagining how much, um, if fear still had a hold of me, if mm. scarcity had a hold of me, like what that would be so triggering to me, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, what do you mean you're going to stop contributing financially mm -hmm. and slow down to process what surfaces in the stillness like uh -huh. what do you mean like logically i'm like ah uh -huh. we've got like we have stuff we've to got do. stuff to we've do got a mortgage right but at the end of the day like i know just from my own personal experience that when the invitation to get still knocks on your heart's door it is the fastest way to move forward mm -hmm. it is a mm -hmm. momentary stillness that becomes the catalyst that launches you forward. Mm -hmm. And so I just see this season as like, uh, 
just like what a gift that we have, that we've worked so diligently in our own personal lives and also as a couple, as a, in, a, in a partnership to create the space and the safety that allows you to pause mm-hmm. and allows you to get still for a season and to really work through um, like this feeling like I'm a burden because mm-hmm. I don't, I, and I think this is so important beyond just for your transformation because if that's not like that could easily become Sophie's story. Like totally. I have Sophie's totally. or I have stories that could easily become Sophie's stories until we acknowledge them. Yeah. And I think the energy of working from not wanting to be a burden absolutely is a very different Exhausting. energy than creative energy. And so yes. I think even one of the, because I chose to follow that whisper of getting slow and allowed the stuff to surface about getting a burden, then I was able to see, wow, for the past however many years of my life, I've been working in a way that has been, I have to figure out how to make money. And it hasn't been a work that says, what do I really, really, really love yeah. and want to do? The caveat with that, that I will say is that I am a seven. And so I've done things that I love, Yeah, but it's been more of a spinning energy in this, in this energy of like, I have to keep this moving forward because mm-hmm. if it stops, what will happen? And I think that my soul got tired and just said, let's see what happens if yeah. you stop. And yeah. again, it's a luxury. I'm I'm married to a partner and we get to collectively do this. Yeah. And I get to I get to lean on you in this season financially. But it is it is interesting how none of that could surface if I didn't follow that whisper of getting slow. Yeah. And I think it, just to give uh, the listener more context, we have shared I feel like similar views with m- money has not been like this thing that we put in the closet and like we have to open the door to talk about it mm. you know in our relationship I think we were our bank accounts were basically merged before we were even married <laughs> right yeah I would money was I, never like a, a weird topic to totally us. but we also didn't have anything <laughs> so like merging bank accounts wasn't was like, like a, not a big deal. like merging assets I think that that was a really personal yeah. decision for us. But yes, we, from yeah. the get-go, we've yeah, yeah, been yeah. very open and honest. Open and, and honest is a good way of saying talking it. Talking about money. Um, and I feel like I do, I can like vibe with this so much easier because making money has never been like the goal of my life, mm. right? The goal has been to f- discover, you know, the the deeper purpose, to discover my my sense of belonging and where I belong in this world. Yeah. And my unique way of fitting in all things. And so when I see you, like I would be the ultimate um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Hypocrite mm. for me not to create the space for you to discover, you know, this next season of belonging in your own life and what that looks like creatively and what that looks like professionally. Mm. Um, because it's like the only thing that I have done my entire life just recently in the last year, I've been like, wow, yeah, how good can it get? Like, that's the question, right? How good can it get, um, to financially? Yeah. Like if I start really focusing on building and growing a speaking business Mm -hmm. and we started to taste it, you know, but even in me right now, it's like, okay, the goal isn't like building more financial, income Mm. would actually prohibit my soul from discovering what I feel like it wants to discover in the season of life Mm. because it would be too much safety that I feel like would lead to a a measure of complacency Mm. right Mm -hmm. I feel like there is Mm -hmm. the universe is always like giving you enough to do the the soul's lesson yeah yeah like I 
and I, I don't know, maybe maybe that's a, a a weird limiting belief that just keeps me a little delusional, but I don't think so. Like, mm. I, I wrote it down in my journal not too long ago, like building a bigger speaking business would actually be my biggest obstacle to growth. Mm. And it, it at one point was like the very thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But building a bigger speaking business and this is really what it is. And I'll stop talking about this, but the way that I was building it. Yeah. Yeah. The way that it's I was building it. It's, it's not the, the thing. Right. I was mm-hmm. building it on the back of willpower. I was building it on the back of striving. I was building it on the back of, um, you know, do more, achieve more, hustle more kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And the challenge with that or the big predicament with that is when you build your life from that place, you have to sustain your life from that place. Yeah. And then suddenly life is not something that you live and enjoy. It's something that you survive and get by. Yeah. And I think a lot of people myself included, I've tasted that, right? Like I tasted the life where you're trying to use all of your energy, just trying to hold it Mm -hmm. all together, Mm -hmm. but you don't have the energy and you know, you don't have the energy to do it much longer, but letting it all go, it feels like failure. feels like loss is terrifying. So where do we go from there? Yeah. I think when I see like hustle culture now, I just look at it and I get so tired, (laughs) but I love the hustle. I think inherently there's something really beautiful about the hustle. So I think kind of what we're, what we're saying, or at least what I'm saying is I ran really, really hard for a very long time. And then my soul said, we need a breather. Let's take a break. I could have kept running, but the problem is I would have depleted any reserves I had and it would have been survival. Mm. And I think at this point, what I'm learning is expand, contract, expand, contract always where there is a season for running so hard and pushing and grinding and doing everything you can to create. How you're doing that is different too. Yes. Yes. But then there is a season to say, I need to totally. breathe. I need to breathe. My friend Katie always says, "Your power needs space." That's beautiful. It's like my favorite line: "Your power needs space. It needs the space to actually dream about and create." And that's why things like meditation and prayer and slowness and all these things are so crucial to our creative process because we need that slow, yeah. energetic space, space in order to even create. Mm. It all comes from Mm -hmm. that space. But I think oftentimes in addition to that, and I love Katie for saying that when I talk about living from a posture of rest, what I'm talking about is you're living from a place of spaciousness. Mm -hmm. Like you don't feel like so many, so often, you know, for, for so long in my life, I felt like just um, like crowded energetically, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much to do, so Mm -hmm. much to uh, see, so much, you know, to accomplish. And you just feel like, you know, it's never ending what life is asking you to do. And you're just Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, energetically constipated. You're feeling so crowded. Yeah. The important part of the stillness is allowing the deeper rooted fears Mm. or shame or stories that you've learned as a kid to surface. And as you see them, as you rewrite them, as you lean in and and to grow through them, what you do is you actually create more spaciousness to live from. And it is that spaciousness that you discover a a deeper, more profound rest that has... That, that truly revolutionizes the way that you live. Because even when you talk about, like, there is a season for hustling and working hard and, you know, and, and going for it. There is. But even the energy behind how you do that changes. Mm-hmm. You can do that from a place of groundedness, mm-hmm. right? You can do mm-hmm. that with more intentionality, more awareness. And doing it that way versus this erratic energy yeah. that's so familiar to us 
it's life-changing. Yeah. Well, when you get slow, you allow the stuff that is a barrier to surface. That's it. Right? Like when I have had this time to sit still, (laughs) I'm still doing little things, but, but, you know. You're crushing the house projects. (laughs) Thank you. I'm trying. You had it's my productivity coming out sideways. So <gasps> Joanna Gaines, like Joanna Gaines, 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 watch out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but in in creating that space, all this stuff that I didn't even know was there mm-hmm. surfaces, right? Like this thing of being a burden and this thing of being overlooked. Can you go on that one? I've been waiting for you on to the say overlooked. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so because I got slow enough to look at the burden, right? Mm. Then I had. I had even more spaciousness to look, right? Yeah. Once we got that one out of the way, it's, yeah, like, it's we, like peeling an onion. We peeled, we peeled that layer. And then after that layer, I was working with um, an energy worker and we were just doing all this muscle testing. And essentially she, she found this emotion that she wanted me to look at. And she found the emotion without me naming anything or saying anything, my body just responding. She found the emotion of overlooked. Mm. And she said it. Was she saying other emotions first to see if they registered? Nope. No. The only one she said. Really? Yep. She the only one she said. She said, "Oh, because what she does is she does muscle testing." So she was pushing my hand down, and she was looking at a quadrant that I couldn't see, and essentially pointed to the sixth emotion in the eighth quadrant or whatever. (laughs) And my hand went flying down, and she said, "Overlooked," and I started bawling and crying like my my body just responded Mm. so strongly i'm also not a huge emotional person i'm not like crying well i I can cry but i'm not yeah i understand what you're saying but it was this release for me where it was an it was a word i have never used i have never Never used the word overlooked i've never heard it never but what happened is as she said it it was like my brain could connect backwards to Mm -hmm. all of these moments where that was the thing that was causing the pain yeah so even at age 13, when we had this whole family drama happen, I was the middle of five kids and everyone's attention was going to my oldest brother. Yeah. And I felt like no one saw me. Yeah. And I, I have journals from that time being like, will anyone ever see me? I'm in pain too. And that sense of I was so overlooked. And my response to that was, oh, let me go be busy, mm. not be a burden, make money. Let me go cope with food and and Mm. uncover a whole way of dealing with emotion in that way but it all came from this deep fear and feeling of being overlooked and as I sat with work slowing down probably like four months ago I literally sat at dinner with a girlfriend and I was like I just I want to do something cool. Yeah. All my friends are doing cool yeah. things. I have friends who are epic coaches, friends who are changing the world, friends who are starting fashion lines. What about me? Yeah. And the what about me feeling was that I'm so afraid of being overlooked. Yeah. So afraid of it. And how could I have possibly seen what that a gift. if I had not gotten slow? What, what a, a gift. gift. What a gift to know that that is so terrifying to me yeah then i can tend to it because you also have and i'm not saying that those these things would have been like your destiny per se but you have an a you know experience after experience where like you were part of something early on and then you exited and then that thing went on to do really big things and you could have had your hand in that or you could have been part of that but you went another direction i'm not again i'm not saying like those things were meant for you yeah but i think this feeling of or the story of being overlooked has actually kept you from being 
quote unquote overlooked Mm -hmm. until you have learned to see yourself in a new light. Totally. And I think I've been living into stories that reinforce Reinforce that I'm overlooked. Which is the the beauty of self awareness Uh because you realize, holy shit, I keep recreating the same scenario to validate this, even though this is the last thing that I want. Mm -hmm. Until we make the unconscious conscious, we will continue, Mm -hmm. right? whatever Carl Jung said. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Finish that quote. (laughs) But truly, I think then, then now I can go back and sit with that little 13 year old girl and help her understand what was actually happening. She wasn't being overlooked. Mm -hmm. What was happening is that there was no capacity Mm -hmm. in her parents or in her family members to see her. It had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with her, but I took it on as a, I'm the overlooked one. Yeah. And instead, now I can go back and do the healing work around that. So that doesn't even have to, it doesn't have to stay a yeah. part of my fear. And now when I create going forward, if that story's not there and that fear is not there. What a difference. It creates such a wider, more expansive. Yeah. Well, you're just doing it from, you're, you're creating from love and not creating mm-hmm. from a deficit. Yeah. And that changes everything. And what's so beautiful about these, this conversation is I now know that when I would say something you know, and you might have a, a response that confuses me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, but it's like, it's like you do something and then I'm like, honey, what, like, what are you doing? Mm. But what you hear is I'm a burden. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. now that I know that like I'm overlooked or I'm a burden are these two really big stories that you're working with. It's required me to be very, not just gentle with some of my words, but just to take a step back before I engage in a conversation around a difficult topic because I'm like, oh, you're not actually hearing what I'm saying. You're mm-hmm. hearing yeah. everything through the lens of I'm a burden. Yeah. Like, so if I talk about like, hey, this is a perfect example. Hey, babe, do you think we can keep our credit card limit <laughs> or expending below this amount this month? It's kind of a slow <laughs> month, I'm right? Like- and I'm, and the last thing that I'm saying to you is like, yo, you're a burden, but you hear, oh my God, I'm not contributing. I'm a burden. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then it would start like a little bit of a, I'm like, whoa, hold on. Totally. I was just saying like, totally. can we not, and that's just not you, it's me too. I'm not saying that you go out and spend, I spend more freaking money than you. You do. Uh- but I think what you're saying is w- when we have those strong reactions to something, yeah. there's a story behind that totally. somehow, somewhere, even if we can't fully see it, like I don't. I probably have had that reaction to other stuff in other relationships, but I wouldn't have been able to say this is because I'm overlooked yeah, or because I feel like a burden. But now having the story means that you and I can talk about it yeah, and we can co-regulate and I can, I can continue to heal. Absolutely. Um, what I love about this is um, the last thing also I want to say, or maybe to sum this all up, mm. what do we say to somebody that, knows stillness is important but they don't have the luxury to stop working yeah right they don't have the luxury to to be like well i'm just going to commit my days to going inward and blah 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 Mm -hmm. right like we i recognize and you do too it's a luxury it's a luxury we have we have a privilege to be able to live life like Mm -hmm. this and to like pause on life and know that hey we're okay Mm -hmm. um what do we say to that person Mm -hmm. well i think that sometimes space is more it is more of a posture than it is Mm -hmm. outward activity there there are people who literally don't have 10 minutes in a day Mm -hmm. right they're they're busy taking care of so many other people and 
and working multiple, whatever the story is. But I think that there is always an invitation to an internal pause and slowness that is available to anybody at any time, anywhere. Even if it's one, one minute of, of, of pausing and, and saying, how can I be with myself in this moment? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I couldn't say any better. I think it's, um, even if you are, you know, a single mother and God bless you. I love you. I s- you have had your heart expanded for single mothers. Oh my mothers. God. Remarkable. So <laughs> even definitely. if you are a single mother running two jobs, like maybe you don't have the time to, I get it. I'm not asking you to wake up an extra 30 minutes and journal and, you know, sit in stillness and meditate while watching a, a flickering of a candle and repeating <laughs> a mantra. I'm not asking you to do that. Right. But just like you said, like those, those, even those moments between stimulus and response, something happening, trigger activating you. And before you respond, you're just having the awareness to pause, to be with yourself for a moment, to ground yourself, to feel the weight of your feet being held by the universe in this moment. Even as it seemingly is all coming undone, there is still something bigger than you that's holding you together. And just having that moment of stillness and recognizing that. Like even in those 15, 20, 30 seconds, as you do that, mm-hmm. you know, as you do that time and time and time again, what you're doing is you are creating more of an internal rest. You are mm-hmm. creating more of an internal spaciousness, which you can live from, which yeah. allows you to be able to do all of the things that you need to do, um, but still feel rested, right? It's the type of tire that soul or that sleep can't, that, that sleep can't fix is the problem. That's not doing less necessarily yeah that's an internal yeah switch that has to happen yeah takes practice takes practice Mm -hmm. i love you i love you too and for all of you out there listening we love you